0: Hello, I'm Simon Burton and welcome to Arts Roundup on Cambridge 105, a journey to discover the arts activity happening in every corner of Cambridge, where we'll investigate strange goings-on by a bunch of badly dressed robots with attitude, get to grips with some stunning portraiture and delve into the art of making show-stopping pottery. This edition. We investigate a motley gang of talking robots in King Street and meet their creator scrap artist Giles Walker. Portrait artist Heloise Toop talks about her work and capturing inner light. Professional potter Katharina Klug previews the Anglian Potters exhibition. We look at the lineup for the Romsey Arts Festival with Catherine Lullaby And author Gail Walker introduces her new book on meditation techniques. Down King Street in the last few weeks you've probably noticed a large shop window with a pair of peculiar life-size pink robots sitting in the window, moving and enjoying a coffee. Or perhaps a robot dog with an old telephone for a head sitting on the pavement wagging and nodding. It's the imaginative work of scrap artist Giles Walker and was designed to arouse curiosity for the main show inside where a team of robots, which looked like something from the post-apocalyptic films Mad Max or Waterworld, enjoy a conversation depicting a humorous reworking of The Last Supper. Giles, who painstakingly created the robots, introduced the 10-minute animated robot show, which features plenty of dried ice smoke and special effects. She's over there.
1: Those beautiful eyes will find you. Who made
2: that disgusting noise? Was it you?
1: I dare you, you have made a very, was it very you? big mistake. Glorious blessed be it you, Lest it Lest you. Be virgin mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph of most house.
2: Blessed be God and his angels and his was it you. glorious assumption. you, very virgin mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph most Mostry's house. I tell you the floodgates have been opened, and it is our duty to see that they are firmly closed again. But you know that, don't you?
0: Charles tell me about yourself how did you become someone who manipulates robots for art
3: well I started about 20 years ago I, I joined up with uh, the mutoid waste company who uh, a group of Sort of scrap artists, and we sort of travelled around, squatting different warehouses. And the deal was, we we bought in scrap and we built st- art out of it. And uh, I got discovered windscreen wiper motors, and um, from the there I sort of started putting them in the sculptures, making it move. And yeah, over the 20 years, it's kind of developed from there.
0: Um, and do you come from a science background? Why have robots interested you particularly? For, for
3: um, to be honest, I'm not particularly interested in in the technological side. I, I do it as a sort of means to an end, and it is you know it adds a little fun element when because you, if you're not a perfectionist, which is I'm not, you know you, you make it how you think it's going to work best, and then you fire it up, and it never is never comes out as you planned. So each robot has its own characteristic just by by mistake, but um.
0: I mean, there seems to be a lot of people who want to cross over the barrier between sort of sciences and art by using robots for things like this. Um, can you describe a couple of the robots you've got here? Because you've got some outside who are having um, tea at a table. Yeah. You've got another one which has got um, an enormous telephone for a head. Um, yeah. And yet they seem quite human in the way that they move is it is it hard to get that kind of across like that or i mean how, how do you depends, make it? it depends what you
3: concentrate on because mm. you know you can build a robot you can make a robot do anything if you enough if you can spend enough money on it you know the japanese spend millions on robots and and they move almost like humans but to me they're not like humans they're like the sort of walking dead whereas the robots i do i spend very little money on because it's due to budget restrictions and so i concentrate on the smallest of movements that um that I think portrays a person's characteristics, so a little hand twitch, the way they hold a cigarette, a little nod of the head, is is that, or how they scratch the back of their leg with their other foot is that's what i concentrate on
0: now now obviously that they're they're dressed up as characters that look like something out of mad max here um but they've also i mean they're made from mannequins presumably and and the motors that run things on cars like um windscreen wipers and things like that i mean have you just experimented to put these together like this because they're quite incredible
3: uh i'd say um this particular piece there wasn't was a lot of experimental. It was pretty well planned out. I kind of knew knew what I was doing from, from day one. Not visually, but mechanically, I knew what I was doing. yeah. Uh,
0: now, um, what we've got here is a it's tremendously darkened room with lots of can- candles and some 14 or 15 um, robots that move Thirteen. here <laughs> 13 robots. Um, and um, some of them look like uh, something out of post apocalyptic fiction. Um, they also have um, that look of perhaps being the crew of the Mary. Celeste or something where did the idea come for this um well obviously, obviously
3: it's the last supper it's based around the last supper and um i wanted to uh it's really hard to explain because actually I bit, it took a year to build and over the year the the ideas changed and developed and and things changed. so the the idea of it being a, a ship came about halfway through building i said i'd already built the the table and stuff but um I then sort of decided I was going to make it wonky, chop a few legs off, stick a mast on it and, um, and a steering wheel, have Jesus steering. And uh, that's a, quite an old religious metaphor actually, you know, like um, the ship that carries, religion being a ship that carries sort of the lost souls across purgatory to, to mm. heaven.
0: Okay, uh, you've, got, you've got the figure at the head of the table here, yeah. w- which is supposed to be Jesus at the Last Supper. Some but it looks rather so. more like Marlon Brando at the Last Supper, doesn't it?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, you know, this, this was, a, I guess, it was a kind of um, a little twist on the fact that you know the Hollywood portrayal of Jesus is always this kind of handsome man with kind of um, very sort of muscly and, and with long hair, and actually there's zero proof that that is the case. So I thought, you know, we'll go for a fat bald one, and because uh, you know, what difference does it make?
0: Uh, okay, now they make these um, wonderful gestures. They they move around during the, the show, but they also say things. What are they saying?
3: I think the dialogue was the hardest, the hardest bit of the whole project. It, it took me about three months, because sort of, it was like I'd built the cast of a play, but hadn't written the play. And uh, when you're building sculpture that, that makes sound, especially if you want to put dialogue in, it's really important that it's something that you can listen to again and again and again. So I was concentrating much more on, on sort of feeling and rhythm and, and texture of the sound. So I, I sampled lots of bits of different films I also recorded a lot of my own voice and put it through voice manipulation so it was recognizable and so sort of glued it all together and the, the sort of general thing is this kind of feeling of interrogation implied guilt threat sense of violence running underneath it and that's kind of all i wanted to get
0: um obviously it's in a darkened room with yeah. candles but there's also um dry ice and smoke drifting around which gives it a slightly ghostly air was that what you intended to do yes yeah,
3: because it's, it's the sort of idea of this sort of ship being lost on a on a you know in the fog kind of just drifting really not really knowing what it's going but it's quite interesting because before i've shown it in cambridge i've always shown it in really massive spaces so it has you to sort of walk in and see it in the middle of this kind of fog looming out whereas this is much more um claustrophobic type feeling so i still sort of, it's meant to have the feeling of kind of being below deck type
0: and, and great costumes you've got um sort of fighter pilots leather caps um you've got berets you've got um leather um objects some of them look as though they're wearing almost armor and things like that uh,
3: yeah i wanted them um, them to sort of be journeymen you know like whether they'd be pilots or or sailors just that kind of that feeling of those sort of uh like sort of an old crew you know who was who sitting it out on a,
0: on a on a boat you're also collecting money for jimmy's Nightshade, aren't you yeah
3: we oh. yeah we opened um we opened the, sh- the whole show with a private view for a uh, for the homeless of Cambridge, and Jimmy's basically invited um, the sort of homeless community of Cambridge to come and have a free meal. And originate, this is a, an events caterer. They did all the food for free, and basically laid on this amazing feast. And it was best opening I've ever done. I think it was a kind of knee-jerk. Reaction from LA, where it was all a bit too hair and makeup, and uh, yeah. and uh, I wanted to do something a bit, a bit with a sense of a bit more real. <laughs> uh, I've got another exhibition opening in November in in London, a, a brand new one that um, I'd like to bring here probably uh, early next year if, if possible. Charles Walker, what a
0: fantastic show! Thank you very much Thank indeed. You.
1: Like the beat, beat, beat of the tom, tom. When the jungle shadows fall Like the tick-tick-tock of the stately clock As it stands against the wall Like the drip-drip-drip of the raindrops When the summer shower is through So a voice within me keeps repeating You, 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 night and night It's no matter, darling, where you are I think of you night and day Day and night, why is it so That this longing for you follows wherever I go In the roaring traffic's boom in the sigh. Night and day, day and night Under the heart of me There's an oh such a hungry yearning Burning inside of me And this torment won't be through Till you let me spend my life Making love to you day and night Night and day
0: A portrait painted of yourself or someone you love can be a very personally significant affair, and can be a treasured heirloom capturing something important in the heart as life goes inexorably on. Lots of people do it, but few are able to get at the inner intelligence of the subject as well as the beauty in just one sitting, as I discovered artist Heloise Toup does with her remarkable style and talent, creating bold, unambiguous and colourful portraits in oil and acrylic. She's just finished a successful Open Studios and took time out to talk about her work. Looking at your amazing portrait painters here in your studio, it seems to me that we have um, uh, someone dressed as um, someone from Alice in Wonderland.
4: Yes, that actually started, the Alice in Wonderland one started because my sister does have a really quirky dress sense and she mm. actually did just have that outfit lying around. Um, and then I did that one and thought, oh, it's quite Alice in Wonderlandy, and kind of put in a nice background and then... The series kind of led on from that, and I've done other characters since. Uh,
0: and you've got um, Red Riding Hood, um, who looks a bit more like a very rustic Red Riding Hood um, <laughs> um, figure there. Um, and also, is it Snow White at the end? Or?
4: It's um, Goldilocks with the bears, oh. yeah. Um, so the the Red Riding Hood is my sister's friend, Rachel, who's a bit punky, and we actually went and did that in Cherry Hinton Hall.
0: Um, do you like um, adding an element? I mean, obviously, your, your portraits um, um, draw on people's inner character, as I can see clearly from these um faces, but do you like to add um, an element of, of fantasy to them?
4: Occasionally, yes, I do, especially with this series. I, I just think they're much more interesting, um, and also people are more drawn to portraits with a kind of narrative aspect to it, um, unless they're commissions where it's just a face mm-hmm. and, you know, they know the person. So. Uh,
0: what do you try to capture with one of these? When you see somebody, do you? how does the process work um, uh, between creating an image of this sort and, and initially meeting them for a sitting as well?
4: basically um, I'll approach people that I think are interesting looking to pose for portraits Um, but I find everyone interesting so I'll take lots of photos and we'll just pick one together for commissions.
0: Mm. They're very large as well, Um, large, very (laughs) colourful, um, um, obviously exaggerated um, um, character. Um, What sort of medium and paints are you using for this?
4: I'm using oil paints, Um, I do use acrylics sometimes, I've very recently done some acrylics but oils are my favourite.
0: Um, okay, so um, we've got quite a, a number of characters here. Um, who are they? Where are they from? You have a celebrity here I see on the wall.
4: Yes, uh, I have Brian Bellow, who some of you might know from Big Brother a few years ago. He won it and he's on TV quite a lot, um, but I know him through my sister, so that was a lucky break for me. <laughs> um, and then I have lots of family members. Um uh, <laughs> My brother and my sister is in a lot of them because she's got such a funny dress sense, so she's kind of a brilliant person to paint. And then just friends. And, you
0: know. So how long does a sitting like this take? I mean, with, with Brian there, you've got him at, um, his face at a beautiful angle there. Um, how long would it take you to complete one like that?
4: That one took probably about four weeks um, on and off. So, yeah, a while.
0: <laughs> Portraiture, what, what was it that um, drew you towards it in the first place as an artist?
4: It's hard to know exactly when, but I just remember always, always being interested in it, so it must have just been ingrained from mm. an early age. <laughs> yeah. mm.
0: and obviously portraits, um, are, as far as I can see, are very, very personal things that um, that become eventually family heirlooms and they capture people at various stages in their lives. Um, is, is that something that that touches you as an artist as well, that you're actually creating a lasting bond with the person that you do, do it with? Or? Definitely, uh, yes.
4: Yeah. There's. It's so important to get people looking you know really like them and capturing the essence of them at that time because i know it will be around for a really long time Mm -hmm. so you have to do a good job
0: like you're very young how old are you exactly i'm 27 27 and how long have you been doing it for
4: um, well, I've been interested all my life, but I I really took it seriously from about seventeen. Mm. Yeah, so ten years.
0: What what do you look for when you look at your subjects? Um, do, you, do you do you try and um, do you try and kind of get um, a sort of profile to get something in it to capture something in a, in them that, you, that 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 you sort of base or hang the paint the the portraits on as it were? What do you do when you look at the people? Do you, how do you try to read them?
4: Um, Well, I always insist on meeting the people and taking my own photos because I I have to meet them in order to kind of get any kind of personality Mm -hmm. across. I can't do it from someone else's picture. Um, So I'm not sure really. I I think just talking to them and just seeing if they're kind of confident or a bit withdrawn and shy and you just kind of get it through like that and Mm -hmm. obviously pick out beautiful features Mm -hmm. like eyes and mouth. And
0: and obviously photography is all about capturing um, the inner light in the subject Um, and a good photographer gets it just right. And and I think it's similar with portraiture, isn't it? um if you can get um some glimmer of their character um in, into the image then the whole thing stands up beautifully uh, yes yeah. definitely You
4: you have to have something more than just a likeness. Yeah, yes definitely yeah,
0: yeah. so you, t- you actually take a photograph of, 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 of the person and, and then just work from there yeah. I take oh. several I oh.
4: probably take about 40 to 50 and yeah. then we'll discuss together after I've picked kind of five or six that I think will work we'll mm. pick from that but then I also have all the other ones as reference mm. so it's kind of like they're they're there and and, I can and call them back. <laughs> how,
0: how long does it take to complete one
4: um, it really varies on size and mm. medium but generally Generally, i say about a month. A
0: month, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, Absolutely fabulous. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
4: Um, just that I am available for commissions. Just look up my website. I'll be happy to answer any questions anyone's got. And thanks very much. And the
0: website is at?
4: It's Um
0: Eloise, thank you very much indeed for talking to Cambridge 105.
1: You're listening to Arts Roundup on Cambridge 105.
0: If you've ever fancied giving pottery a spin, it's the perfect time of year to get inspired as 400 talented local pottery and ceramics artists celebrate 30 years of the Anglian Potters. The event at Emmanuel College runs between August the 20th and September the 4th and features everything from outrageous animals, grotesque caricatures from fairy tales, through to elegant and beautiful pieces for the home. I dropped in on professional potter and show organiser Katharina Klug at her Cambridge studio to preview the show and find out why her beautiful works were recently featured in Good Homes magazine. Caterina, we're here in this rather splendid studio at the bottom of your garden. Um, you've got some um, wonderful spinning wheels and lots of beautiful finished pots. Um, what a place to talk about the, the forthcoming Anglian Potters um, uh, exhibition, which is happening in Emmanuel College, isn't it?
5: That is right. Yes, we, we are all preparing for the exhibition, which is coming up next month. And yes, here in my studio, uh, some pots are ready and some aren't.
0: Now, they are quite a zany bunch, the potters, aren't they? What, what does it take to become a potter and why do people take it up?
5: That's a good question. I think uh, different people have different um, um, ways to come to clay. Some, some are uh, introduced to the material maybe at school. In my case, it was my mother. She's, she's a professional potter as well. And other people just later in life take it up as a hobby and realise how wonderful it is to work with this material and, and take it then to the next level.
0: Um, is there a range of materials that you can use? I mean different kind of um, types of um, pottery or, or is it all basically the same process or how does it work?
5: Well chemically it's all the same, Mm. but uh, you can get stoneware, earthenware, porcelain uh, and they have different colours and different ranges of temperatures to fire them to but in the end of the day it all starts with a lump of clay and your idea.
0: So you you take your lump of clay and you drop it onto one of these beautiful spinning wheels Um, what happens then? It wobbles, it gets wet and it goes round. How do you actually develop the skill to turn that into something really quite remarkable like some of the things we've got around us?
5: So first I have a lump of of, um, soft clay and I throw it with a good... Smack onto <laughs> my wheel, onto the wheel ha- head, and then um, you need a bit of water so you don't get a friction on your hands between the hands and the clay. And then, um, with the movement of the wheel, which is a um, which is a spinning movement, you um, manipulate with your hands the shape, and hopefully in a skillful way, and hopefully the outcome is is a, is a usable pot.
0: Okay, so you've got your pot um, which you've you've carefully um, handcrafted together. Um, then you have the trouble of of, um, glazing it don't you? Yes Uh,
5: well there's a little bit in between so we air dry it first mm. and then it goes in the firing the first time which is the bisque firing which is a lower temperature to about 900 to 1000 degrees.
0: And these are the kilns over here? That's
5: right. Uh, I have three different ones because the smallest one is for my test pieces. I do a lot of glaze development and, and so the small one uh, gives me quick results. The medium one is is, uh, is my older lady. She has been with me for a long time and she only goes to a low temperature. And then the newest addition, uh, which I'm very happy with, is a, gla- is, is, is a kiln that goes to a very high temperature, um, which makes the glazes melt. Um. Um, With the porcelain I use, I need to fire it at least to to 1,260 degrees.
0: Wow. Um, And then, um, I mean, the the finished products look absolutely amazing. They've got um, all kinds of wonderful um, patterns. Where do you draw the inspiration from your patterns? Or are they just completely something that you came up with? Uh,
5: Well, a lot comes from nature. Um, um, My studio is in the garden, so I I look at my garden and at at plants that are in front of it, and uh, they grow... uh, Along the year, and that's that's one big inspiration for me.
0: So the theme there is, is something like camouflage, isn't it? In, in in natural things like the stripes on a zebra, um, or something like that, or on a yes, tiger cat. or
5: in in the, in the the white stripes. I think you you're talking about. Um, I call I I see them as birch trees, birch yeah. trees at night. So this design is called uh, Moonlight Birch Tree. <laughs>
0: Uh, but they're aesthetically and visually absolutely beautiful. What a st- tremendous set. so how long does it take to create a piece like like one of these vases here?
5: From start to finish, uh, it takes about a fortnight. Um, but there are phases in between where it just dries or where it's in the kiln. So uh, while one piece is, is, is in one process state, I go to the next pot and or to the next piece. Well, how
0: did you become the, the spokesperson organizer for the Angling and Potters exhibition? Um, is that something you've been involved for some time now
5: I was lucky enough to become selected member this year Um, as a professional uh, you have the option or if if you are really committed to the craft you can apply for selected membership and and I got it which is very nice Uh, and so I thought I need to get involved more I need to Get, uh, get, uh, give back to, to the organization more, and, and so I'm helping out now with organizing um, the exhibition.
0: But there are some really wacky things in the exhi- exhibition, aren't there? There are huge um, caricature faces, um, there are things that resemble objects, birds, um, animals, things from Beatrix Potter. It really is um, really a very colorful show, isn't it?
5: Absolutely, it ranges from sculpture, from uh, objects for the garden, for the house, things you can use, but the things that just take your fancy and and are expressions of uh, you know really exciting ideas. It's
0: great to have um, Emmanuel College as the venue because it's a particularly lovely one, isn't it?
5: Oh, we're very grateful to be there year after year, and they're very. The college is very supportive to our exhibition. Uh, and, and it's a beautiful venue, it's just a wonderful, uh, the old library is just a wonderful room for us.
0: Now how long does it go on for? Because it, it, it's, it's quite a long time isn't it, but it's, it stretches over.
5: Yes, it goes until the uh, 4th of September Uh, And it starts on the 20th of August. And our private view is on the 19th of August. You can become a member of the Anglian Potters. It's an open organization. And through the Anglian Potters, you will find that lots of our members are teaching the craft. And also, if you go to our website, you will find lots of information around it.
0: It's anglianpotters.org.uk. And your website is?
5: Uh, Mine is uh, Katharina. Uh, dot klug-art.com. Um,
0: um, if you want to see um, Katerina in action, you can actually see um, film clips of um, throwing and spinning um, um, uh, pottery um, on a wheel in in her studio. So you can actually see the place that we're talking from. Um, to Katerina, um, brilliant stuff. Thank you very much
5: indeed. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: The road and its attached streets in Cambridge were recently tipped in the national press as one of the most up-and-coming and vibrant neighbourhoods in the country to live in. And there'll be no shortage of action there over the next two weeks as today sees the opening of the Romsey Arts Festival. Over 30 venues are showcasing all manner of inspiring work and we'll be promoting arts activities and networking events aimed at integrating arts activity across the south of the city. Here's social media organiser for the festival, Catherine Lullaby
6: art can be so welcoming and really all-encompassing and we're trying to create events that really are accessible to everyone of all ages and all backgrounds whatever kind of things they're interested in
0: what was the core concept that 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 triggered it though
6: well i think the idea with the rumsey art festival it just felt like there was so much happening in rumsey and no way to sort of celebrate it or to bring it all together you know like there were artists all over Rumsey but there was nothing that sort of celebrated it so we thought you know if we create this festival we can find a platform to sort of bring out all the artists and make sure you know everybody knows what's actually happening in Rumsey which hmm. is a lot
0: Which um, venues are participating? Obviously Cambridge Art Salon is the main yeah. hub but there are other places like Williams I Art involved we have got
6: a hmm. list of about 30 venues <laughs> 30 <laughs> That's a <venues>? lot <laughs> wow. of 30 wow. venues yeah. Yeah. yeah we've got a lot we've got uh, Williams Art we've hmm. got Hot numbers. We've got the Black Cat Cafe. We've got the Junction. We've got the Drawing Cube. We're changing spaces on Norfolk Street. We've got CB1 Cafe. We've got Six Bells. We've got the Empress. We've got uh, the. Saint Barnabas Press, Romsey Mill, Lemoncello, and the list goes on and on.
0: Um, <laughs> now, um, obviously it's, it's going to be high expectations that this will be a highly successful event. it's, yeah. it's been well organised. It's got a lot of people involved, loads of things huh. to go and see. Um, but um, how important is it really um, for um, developing the arts in this um, in this the city? Do you think that the festival will just go on and on? I think
6: it, it will because I think you know Cambridge has a lot to offer, and you know people think of Cambridge, they think of the university but they don't necessarily associate it with you know all the arts that it has to offer and I think with this festival it's gonna really bring it forward and put you know al- bring a lot more attention to the artists in Cambridge and in Romsey especially
0: um now no, um, obviously bringing more footfall to Romsey f- for that mm. purpose will be very good for selling um art um mm. but um what's what's the money side of it like for artists at the moment At economic it's low tide it's not great, <laughs> not great <laughs> it's uh, really not great uh, try, no. trying to sell you know yeah, it's this very is a, this difficult
6: because sort of, yeah. um you know there's there are, ex, you know, exhibiting opportunities and stuff like that, but money is tight for everyone. Not everybody can, uh, you know, afford to splash out on oh. art and things like that. So the idea is for basically artists like myself as well to downsize their work to create small pieces mm. of artwork, sort of token pieces that are accessible and affordable, mm. sort of more within the twenty to thirty pounds range, rather than you know a few hundred pounds. Mm. Mm you know so it's kind of making it more accessible but still mm. you know trying to get your foot in the door yeah. that way
0: can you tell me a little bit, a bit about some of the highlights of the festival that, are, that, that well are i was
6: looking through the list of the events earlier actually oh, for me for me the highlights are all the networking events that we've got we've yes. got uh, two key ones which are let's see there's the independent cambridge meetup mm. and um independent cambridge is this little book that was created last year and it's basically highlights all the independent stores in mm. cambridge and it's going to be a talk at Urban Larder and it's basically just going to be about all the little indie stores that we have in Cambridge and in Romsey and just celebrating that, which is going Mm. to be really great. And another one is Community Lovers Guide to Cambridge. Like, Mm. I don't know if you've heard of Community Lovers Guide to book. It's kind of like you get them for lots of different cities. You've got like Amsterdam, Paris, and it's basically about the community But not what tourists see, Mm. you know, it's more about how people live Mm. and more sort of bohemian side Mm. of things. Now,
0: now, Rumsey, obviously, as an area, um, was very run down in the 1970s, but now Mm. it's actually becoming very cosmopolitan and vibrant, isn't it? I think it
6: was in the Times and the Mm. Guardian, it was like one of the best areas to live was Mill Road. I was like, okay, fine, (laughs) why not? Uh,
0: Okay, now dates, when when does it kick off and when does it finish? It
6: starts this Saturday on the 3rd of August. Mm. So it actually starts at about 10 am with events all over the place. They, there's events at the Cambridge Art Salon and Hope Street Yard all day long. And there's also uh, film screenings at uh, Romsey Labour Club with the uh, Cambridge Cinema Shorts as well as lots of other things going on.
0: And then it runs until?
6: The 17th of August. Yeah, 17th of August, yes. And that's when our closing party is at St. Philip's Church. Um, Is
0: there a programme for the whole event that people can get Yes, (laughs) there
6: is meant to be a programme, and it it is available at Cambridge Arts Salon, and it will be distributed over the next few days around Cambridge. And, of course, all all the events can be seen online at our website and on our blog.
1: You're listening to Arts Roundup on Cambridge 105.
0: It often comes up in conversation that to be a good artist you need to be in touch with your inner self and a spot of meditation can help you to reach the inner realm and make you feel healthier and at peace with your life. There are many kinds of meditations spanning the spectrum of religion and through into the more outlandish New Age beliefs and there's evidence of the latter that even great artists like William Blake used it over a hundred years ago to heighten his spiritual and creative powers and leave us his astonishing poetry and paintings. I've been hearing about a new book, Beyond Angels, by author Gail Walker, who has 30 years of experience in the field, which looks at quick routes to reaching transcendence in meditation for those who understand it in all its mysticism. Here, she talks briefly about Beyond Angels currently hitting the shelves of the spiritual sections in Waterstones and Heffers bookshops.
7: I do remember once hearing a story about a self-realised person, an enlightened person, who... Maintained this level of inner peace and silence all the time and she had a number of devotees and one of her devotees was a photographer who used to go travel around and take photographs and he used to ask her constantly how can I achieve this liberation, this this inner stillness and happiness through my photography and every time Every time that he asked this question, it was ignored and ignored and ignored. And he couldn't get any answers about why he he was ignored until he suddenly realised himself that it wasn't through any activity on the outer plane of life that he was going to achieve this, but it was through inner Mm. activity, Mm. inner search. I have always felt from being a child that there was something more to life And of course I didn't know what that something was. But at the age of 14 I actually took myself off to church on my own. Um, My family didn't go to church. There was no family history of of attending church. And I felt after the experience of, of going to church I didn't feel very satisfied by it. I felt that it was a wonderful experience for an hour at a time, but I came away feeling that really there, there must be more, there must be something more that makes you feel some sort of peace or some sort of inner peace for longer periods of time. And I wasn't satisfied, you know, maybe had there been some vicar there who knew about the potential for human consciousness, who would have, had, would have been able to help me to, to meditate or, or realise this, this level of peace within, perhaps I would have remained with the church and stayed on, on that route. But there wasn't. And I continued to search. I didn't feel satisfied. And I felt very much still that there was something out there that would help me. So I just continued to search and investigated all sorts of techniques. And at the age of 18, a non-religious systematic meditation was the one that I chose. Um, the Beyond Angels isn't a book about the New Age and its sort of socio-economic position in society. It's a book about my observations of New Age practices, predominantly healing and meditation over the last years. But definitely my experience of practicing meditation every day. And here I must say... There are many different sorts of meditation, and that is one of the predominant themes of the book, that not all of them are as effective as others. And a meditation which is transcendent or transcendental is much more profound and effective. Because we have this level in, these 40 years of my meditating has taught me that we have this transcendent level within, this level of silence and peace, and it is the purest, part of us, it's the eternal part of us and if you practice a transcendental technique that has a direct connection to it, it's a much more profound connection for for achieving this awareness. (laughs) Um, The book was predominantly written for Reiki and spiritual healers in order for them to help them raise their practice make their, prof- their practice more profound mm. than it already is so yes that there, there, there is quite a bit of information in there that will relate to healing and meditation but i do hope it is a benefit for for other people too mm. because it would it should be a benefit for the root the true seeker mm. and for therapists to help them improve mm. their general therapy mm. practice mm. you know um Reflexologists or mm. Indian head massages yeah, yeah. can can yeah. add this and incorporate yeah. this into yeah. their practice. Yeah. The quick route that yeah. I'm expanding yeah. is is a meditation yeah. which is transcendent, transcendent even yeah. over and above yeah. art or any outer yeah. activity. Yeah. I'm due to give a short talk about the writing of Beyond Angels at Woodgreen Animal Shelter at 1.30 on Saturday, thirty first of August, and I'd also be there on Sunday, first of September, and I'll be happy to talk to anyone who. May be interested either in the book or in learning to meditate. And of course, I'll be signing and selling the book there too.
0: Time to take a look at a pic of what's going on in the city in the next few weeks. If you're an experienced artist and could really use an extra five grand about now, Addenbrooke's Hospital is currently appealing for submissions for a large-scale artwork to commemorate the life-changing gift made by organ donors. All mediums are considered and Damien Hebron is the man to contact for an artist brief. Award-winning novelist Zadie Smith will make a public appearance in Cambridge on August the 21st at the Wordfest to read from and discuss her much-acclaimed new book, NW. An introductory talk on the current exhibition of charismatic artist Christopher Wood is being given by Kettle's Yard director Andrew Nern on August the 22nd, a chance to find out about gallery founder Jim Ede's artistic vision and the Parisian avant-garde of the 1920s. Shakespeare's Globe perform at Corpus Christi College Gardens on August 21st with The Taming of the Shrew and Cambridge Shakespeare Festival offers much more Shakespeare in the College Gardens over August with Richard III at St John's, Hamlet at Trinity, The Two Gentlemen of Verona at Robinson College and A Midsummer Night's Dream at Homerton College.
1: 2019, 22. You let other women make a fool of you. Why don't you do right, like some other men do? Get out of here. Get me some money too. You're sitting down, wondering what it's all about. You ain't got no money, they will put you out Why don't you do right Like some other men do Get on out of here Get me some money too go, you wouldn't be a-wandering now from door to door, why don't you do right like some other men do get on out of here get me some money too why don't you do right like some other men do like some
0: and that's all we have time for in this edition of arts roundup i'm simon burton and i hope you enjoyed listening in on cambridge 105 and we'll get in touch if you have an arts story to tell
8: Sit here and sigh Go long blues I always get that mood indigo Since my baby said goodbye And in the evening when the lights are low About me, I'm just a poor fool that's bluer than blue can be. When I get that mood indigo, I could lay me down and die.